music lovers. Welcome to Wax Chatty with D Muck and Taddy, where three pals listen to an album, then come together and discuss the dang thing. What the heck is an album? An album is a collection of audio recordings issued on compact disc, vinyl, audio tape, or another medium such as digital distribution. Nice! All of our selections can be found on Apple Music, Spotify, Discogs, even in your local record store if you fancy doing some crate digging. In the beginning of 2021, the Muck and Taddy duo started this exploration. And after we had nearly 50 albums under our belts, we brought in Diana, and it morphed into a podcast for you so that we could share our blinding brilliance. Come and get on the bus with us while we wax lyrical about wax. So let's grip it and rip it, people. All right, Diana, grip it and rip it. What's the name of the album that we listened to last week? We were listening to Sun Ra Visits Planet Earth. And I'm going to uh, stop you right there. Um, I think it's Sun Ra and his orchestra visit planet Earth is the actual title of the LP. Oh, is that the title of the LP? Because I know he has his his orchestra. The, I love it the way he, he spells it. If you look at uh, Spotify, then it'll say like Sun Ra. Uh, I believe he passed away in 1993. I had moved to St. Louis even though I dug jazz, I didn't start listening to more freeform until I started making more friends in college. And there was a few of them. My buddy Ray got me listening to a bunch, including Sun Ra. I just started listening to a whole bunch of stuff and I got addicted to Coltrane and I got addicted to everything. So I think maybe the album that came out that I got, which seems to have been in the early to late 90s, maybe was just that double album. But yes. The original one was, I believe, from the 1960s. This was recorded on two sessions. One was in 56, 57. They're not sure. And then the other session was in 1958. The album that became Sun Ra Orchestra Visits Planet Earth was released in 1966. And I do think it's pretty interesting. Sun Ra, by that time in 1966 had his own label called Saturn and that's what the original was released on that cover art was pretty crazy right 66 release yeah Yeah. and it looks like a bunch of those I was looking at the album art on some of the other ones and it's really cool oh yeah that was one of the things that also drew me to it and that a lot of the different albums were just kind of crazy and indicative of what's on the album because there's some more jams obviously and some you know which was what he was trying to do and then some were a little more I guess practiced I guess or whatever you know but it seemed to some of them were just so kind of trippy and and you know there were other albums at the time that I was getting into that had multiple musicians on it and some of their more trippy stuff I you know I thought was really really neat I loved it the thing that you got Diana that you, that you got turned on to or what turned you on to him was a 1992 CD release of two albums that were put together yeah I I went to St. Louis in 93 some people were just talking about the fact that he'd passed away and then 
we would go and to someone's house and they were playing this album and that's when ray was like yeah he's got a bunch of other work uh you, you mean he died oh you yes died? yes i mean he died Sandra, the orchestra played with yola tengo yes yeah at, uh, bowery ballroom yeah. i saw that um in relics and i was like wait a minute something's not right here i thought <laughs> Uh, hey Mac, you want to hear something messed up about that show? You went? <laughs> no, I'm in Chicago. You were here in town, and you didn't fucking call us. My friend Scott, who both of you have met, he had sent me a text the late afternoon of that show and said, "Hey man, do you know anybody that would want a free ticket to this?" I would have totally gone. I know you would have, but oh, I'm in like my backyard. Except oh, my that I was an asshole and didn't see the time. You can just you can just stop right there. Just period, asshole period. Um, the, a guy that I follow who sells vinyl. I forget the oh. name of his. Yeah, Instagram. what was that? Oh yeah, I yeah. don't know, but I I listened to it. It was another Sun Ra album. It's like Pluto or something like that. A red album um, with the cover. He was selling it. It was vintage. It like had a thump in the middle of it, but you know. Yeah, and it says uh it says Sun Ra. Yeah, and the album is so fly. And uh let's see. Sun Ra and his uh now this time it says Sun Ra and his Myth Science Orchestra present it around. uh present the Nubians That's it. of Pluto. Right. That's it. Oh Plutonia. <laughs> Sorry. The Nubians of Plutonia. Well, I actually listened to this album and, you know, not, not to complicate things, but I actually listened to the other album that you talked about, Diana. that was the double hey, album. Hey, you weren't supposed to do that. Well, we're <laughs> not talking about it, but there, the album, well, I mean, I listen to so much music um, and I, you know, it's interesting. It's like the albums are great, but to go back to the one that you, because I'm not supposed to listen to it. Let's talk about the album. <laughs> Interstellar Low Ways. Yes. <laughs> right. The album that you picked, Sunra Orchestra, does Visits Planet Earth. Um, I was sitting there listening to it, and the first two tracks were like, okay, all right. When's this going to take off? When, when is the spaceship going to visit the Earth? And damn it, as soon as I said that, track two or three, damn. I was like, what the hell am I listening to? And, you know, it's always when you have instrumental stuff. It's like, what are the names? Does it matter? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Wow. Psychedelic, butt, psychedelic buttholes in your face or whatever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and the second or third and fourth tracks were just killer. It got me going. You know, I haven't actually picked it up and listened to it in a, over five years. I know I've listened to Sun Ra since then, but not that. It brings back memories not only of when I was listening to it, but I used to pull stuff from that when I because when I used to DJ for the college radio station there, it was a whole sense memory thing of like bringing me back to it. But also since I have so many CDs, as you know, Mac, way too much stuff in here, but a lot of them I don't want to get rid of. So... And I also have been putting them in those big sleeves, but the cover art for something like that album, I've, I've kept the little inserts and stuff. What are your thoughts, Bill Green? 
this album was made for me. <laughs> I know that's again. It's all about you. Bill. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Obviously, that's ridiculous. But from the yeah. first bunch of measures of that first song, I was so like, "How come I haven't heard this? How come this is not part of my ten best albums that I've ever known in my entire life?" <laughs> Listened to it many times actually over this week. I mean, there's um, only seven tracks, so. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so good. And I do have some ideas about it uh, in terms of what's going on. It seems difficult to talk about it using rational words because it's so exactly what I need to hear. It's incredible. It got me from get-go. Deanna, when we started this, Bill said th this is verbatim saying when we listen to the John Mellencamp album. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, no, wait a minute. I, <laughs> I knew say, that was too. I didn't say about that <laughs> album or this album that it's the only album that does that. And I do remember saying that about the John Mellencamp, <laughs> which is a vastly different, obviously, album. Yeah. But it, I do feel that way. I'm not, it's not like I'm an album, everything is good. <coughs> Beatles. <No. laughs> I, like I am going to try, try to say something intelligent, which won't be. One thing I wished is that I'd listened to this album before I tried to digest what Coltrane was doing, what the other Bebop guys were doing, because I feel like I would have understood it better, even though I liked it. But this whole idea on this album, it seems like it goes music, music, music that you know, Western music that you know. And now all of a sudden, the trombone or the tenor sax or sonra on piano are going to go off into these other worlds. Yeah. And it just seems to fit. One of the reasons it's cohesive for me is the percussion. The percussion on every single song keeps me now I'm I'm feeling like I'm <laughs> like an asshole. No, 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 no. This Keep going, man. What about the percussion? I'm so impressed that the percussion kept you in time and beat, as did they with the other musicians. <laughs> the drummer must have been doing his job. I just feel like this album. <laughs> is going to be a part of my life for ever. There are some more mainstream bits and then right. and then there's places where yes, it's going into like the stratosphere. Yeah, I mean I, I think for some people this may not be a cup of tea, but those same people probably won't like uh John Coltrane uh later years, you know, or uh, as he progressed, or some other like uh, Alice Coltrane and Ferris Sanders and all those. So um, I love Alice Cooper. Oh wait, you know um, <laughs> when I was doing uh, tours in Harlem, there was a gentleman that I got to know. He was a, a vendor of trinkets, and his biggest fan. I mean, he was a professional saxophonist because he'd worked with him. Was uh, 
uh, Lucky Thompson, who, if you look him up, like he's a big deal. We started talking and I was like, I don't understand Bebop. Why did they do what they did? And he goes, listen, man, to avoid copyright, you're doing a song. You start to go off on harmonic adventures. You're not playing the song anymore, but you are playing the song, but you're in harmonics of the melody. That's why they did that. I thought that was, I just loved that. Talking to a guy on the street who said, yeah, you know, there's all this talk about the intellectual music theory that was going on with Bird and and Dizzy Gillespie creating Bebop. But I just loved, and, and by the way, I'm not saying that this was truth. I'm just saying what he said. It was all about, from his point of view, it was all about avoiding copyright. That discussion kind of reminds me of Satchmo and scatting. Yes! Um, you know, uh, he, yeah, yeah, like, well, yeah. how, did, how did scatting come up? He goes, I might lost some motherfucking words, man. And then it just sounded cool. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Like, yeah, I, you know, I, and then that cocksucker just kept going with me. You know, he's so funny. Uh, um, and, you know, that kind of thing. is like, there's no rules. <laughs> we just... You know, <laughs> because I couldn't remember the words. It was funny, and then it was an art. Well, uh, as I remember it, is that it was Ella who was doing Apollo Amateur Night, and she got so nervous she forgot the lyrics. Really? I don't think that's really true, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> that's what she would. She would tell that story. You know, when you pick this album, the Sunra album, it's like, damn it. I swear, I have something in my record collection by him. And so I looked it up. And Discogs is a great place. You can put all your, you can catalog all your stuff in there, which I've done. Uh, oh, that's awesome. He played on the sensational guitars of Dan and Dale, Batman and Robin <laughs> um, from 1966. And he was the organist. He played, I think, the Hammond B organ on the album. <laughs> Sunrod did. He was a World Expert guy. <laughs> really? Um, he played a Hammond, is what it's listed as, on one, two, on three, that four album. The, on on four of the tracks, and it's all the Batman theme. You know, oh, Batman shoot. on the roof, Flight of the Batman, Joker is wild from the sixties. Actually, in good shape. Anyway, uh, getting back to this album, to some extent, I'm trying to separate subjectivity from objectivity. And to try to be objective, which is obviously always impossible. But, it's such um, big words. They're really not that big. That big words. To like literally hear, okay, I get this in terms of, I guess, Western music structure. And then I hear him going off and I just get it. Oh, that's what you do. That's what bebop is. One little specific thing in the song <laughs> called Reflections in Blue at about the three minute 20 second, there is a, I believe it's a saxophone that starts to do a solo. And at the beginning of the saxophone, it it sounds like it's uh, farther away from the mic. 
and then it moves into the mic and my fantasy says the person playing that instrument starts to play and he was a little far from the mic and an engineer or somebody goes like motions to him to come closer to the mic and it it's just such a beautiful little moment of this saxophone solo I comes from farther away and and moves into the main part of the music it, it just has this just feeling of otherworldliness which goes along with the theme of the album and or, or the, the theme yeah. of what they're trying to do <laughs> yeah exactly. but also also it's like an authentic moment the same way if actors are on stage one of them forgets their lines or something or maybe improv a little bit to get to the next line because suddenly it's like a deer but that's my fantasy but yeah. Deanna that's my fantasy of it for all we know it could have been totally pre-planned right no the, the sound like, mixer didn't like what he heard in the beginning and then turned him up <laughs> correct yes yeah exactly but I was watching result, some documentary where the horn player was playing and he wasn't playing into the mic and someone, one of the other players, when it was his solo, spun the mic to him, and then you heard it. You know what I mean? Like, they maybe they didn't have enough mics. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they, you know, yeah. um, because I'm always like, well, the guys playing the saxes, and the, they don't fucking move. They stand there, and they play. <laughs> the studio musicians. And they have to flip the mics around uh, to get the sound. Well, so the, maybe, uh, you know, that could be an issue as well. So, you know. Maybe that's um, why it took four years to get it out six years <laughs> he uh he was born in birmingham and then eventually migrated to chicago and that's right. where the earlier part of this album was recorded in chicago it was a, a record company called balkan or uh balkan when i looked up the record company what they were known for was literally recording Balkan folk music. They had a label and a recording studio. And it turns out Sunra used that studio that, you know, was known for doing Balkan folk music. Well, one thing about this record, besides the fact that it sounds to me like something that is right in my wheelhouse. It made me want to learn more about Sunra. And one funny What's his thing real name? I did learn. I have it over here. I was looking at that actually. Like Sony Sony or something? Well uh, Lay Sony Ra. Uh, well his original name is Herman Poole Blount. Yeah. And then uh, he Herman, changed that's what it was. And right. then he changed it to Less sunnier Ray. That's it. Yeah. But supposedly, as a young man, still in Birmingham, Alabama, with his family, he had the nickname Sonny. S-O-N-N-Y. So when he changed his name to Sunra, it wasn't very far from his nickname. Well, actually, if, I mean, not that, you know, Wikipedia gets... You know, it's not as if like it's a hundred percent accurate, and I mean that's just kind of what I'm referring to at all. But it, yeah, it actually says here 
uh, lace, sunny, but he had, he, I guess he changed it to uh, 1N, which is interesting because then it looks like it would be Sony, <laughs> like Sony music. Okay, so, uh, but real quick, so Bill Green, you loved it. It was life-changing. I love this album. And Mac, you you liked it a lot. It was fine. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) I I totally enjoyed it. Like I said, I enjoyed it so much that I went on to listen to two or three other albums um, because I didn't get enough with this one. There you go. Uh, One more thing that I was going to say about that was that besides being so happy because we're friends that go to concerts and being able to also have time to chat with you guys, I am learning about other music that I might not normally listen right. to because right. both of you are such right. audiophiles and that really for me is fantastic because back you know however <laughs> years ago when I was DJing I had all of this at my disposal so I could listen to a lot but in the last however many years I've gotten a lot I've gotten a little narrow in terms of listening to the same stuff all the time and enjoying it but not venturing out too much so this is great it's a great dance record. It definitely gets you moving around. I didn't dance I, to it. I love hearing it in the clubs. If there was a club that had this on its playlist, I would be a person that would go to that club often. Really just got me moving. <laughs> yeah. It, All my, right. my, my butt was wiggling. I am going to pick an album. This is the last pick of 2022 called Vieux Farca Touré at Kurgadin. And the name of the album is Ali, A-L-I, uh, from 2022. Oh, yeah, that was a big hit. Okay, people, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Wax Chatty Podcast. If you enjoyed what was in your ears, please rate us and leave us a comment on Spotify or Apple and share this dude with your homies. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Be nice now and look forward to rapping about our next selection. Stay tuned. Good night, John Boy. (laughs) Good night, John Boy. (laughs) 